Welcome to Tulsa Titans, highlighting our local business professionals who are making a difference. I'm very excited today. I have a close friend, Jay Stevens. He's the CEO of SCFM. Jay, how are you doing? Doing good, Kellen. Good to be here with you. I'm excited to have you. Could you get us started by just telling us a little bit about yourself? I could certainly get us started that way. Um, I'm an Okie. I was born and raised in Oklahoma City, so I'm an Okie. And um, you know, I think I probably had an average background for most people, middle class, a great father and mother, uh, great brothers and sisters. And I'm very fortunate in that respect. Uh, so, uh, you know, I know it's different today. It seems like a lot of family dysfunction. We had our share of it, but uh, nothing that really, nothing that was really negative. And uh, just a great family, great, great background. Um, went to a Catholic high school. Interestingly enough, I'm not Catholic, but uh, glad I went there. I made some great friends. And, uh, and so through life's journey, I ended up back in Tulsa. And, and, uh, and here I am. Well, I'm curious, you and I talked about your background. You, uh, you're a CEO now uh, in oil and gas as far as equipment but it didn't always start that way. Could you just kind of lead us down a path of, of your career path? Cause that is interesting. I, uh, for many years, I was called a recruiter's nightmare when it came time to looking for jobs. Because if you look at my resume, I've had four different careers and none of it was planned. It all just turned out that way. Um, I, I, uh, my, my first career was in the military right out of college. I jumped into the military, um, uh, went, went through basic training and infantry training, and then I got a commission as an officer. And so that changed things uh, drastically in the military. And, and as an officer, I was able to work my way up and, and have a company command and do those kinds of things and uh, probably learned more about leadership than anywhere else put together. Uh, the military really teaches you leadership and, uh, and you have plenty of times to fail too. So I, the first 10 months, sorry about that. The first 10 years of my career were in the military. Um, interestingly enough, while, uh, while I was uh, going through that 10 years, my last three years I spent in law school, I decided, I decided out of nowhere to, you know what, I'm going to be stationed in Chicago I'll bet you there's a law school there and I, to, I just feel like I ought to apply for it. So I did I applied for law school and went to law school at night, completed a four year program in three and a half years. And uh, after, after I got out of the military, I went to work for uh, for Chicago bank. We had a special uh, group right off that separate from the attorney, from the attorneys, we were all attorneys but we were specialized in buying hardware, software, and services for JP Morgan, for uh, First Chicago Bank, later JP Morgan Chase Bank. And so I led a group of attorneys uh, at Chase uh, and at uh, First Chicago. And all we did was negotiate hardware, software, and services contracts. So I would have been dealing with somebody like you to buy IT services for the bank. And so I did that for several years. And then um, 
Kellen out of nowhere. Uh, well, I won't say out of nowhere. I've always been active in church. And so wherever I was stationed in the military, I'd become very active in the, whatever church was there, uh, wherever I was living at the time, very active in the church and uh, went to the equivalent of a seminary and uh, got the equivalent of a master's degree in uh, theology or, and uh, began, began serving uh, as a preacher whenever, whenever the, uh, the ministers or the pastors would go out of town on vacation, they had, they had me as a fill-in. So I was filling in and preaching for churches. And here I am uh, as an attorney at, at First Chicago Bank or Chase. And I told my wife, you know what? I really feel called to do this full time. It's not enough to just preach on Sundays and fill in. I really, I really feel like I'm, I'm supposed to do this. So I stepped away from uh, my attorney position and went into full-time ministry for what turned out to be about 10 years. So 10 years in the military, uh, 10 years as an attorney, and, um, and, then, um, and then I bought into this oil and gas company. So there you have it, four, four careers in, in, uh, you know, in my life so far. And I think there's still one more. But I All love the that. Are, there's one more. I love that because, you know, you and I are the same age and we have a lot of young professionals. You and I are the same age. Yeah. Yeah. And we have a lot of young professionals that listen to this. Right. And I think the importance there, um, Jay, and you're really the only one to hit on it is, is our culture teaches you better, you better know exactly what you're going to do. And that's all you can do. And, and you can't master it unless that's the only thing you do your whole life. And, and, you know, as a professional and I'm a young professional, I realize just how quickly you really can focus and become an expert in a field is so you don't have to freak out or get flustered. And, and I guarantee you with what you're doing now, each one of parts of the jobs and the backgrounds that you've had, have been purposeful in exactly what you're doing now. Bingo, bingo. And you know, it's funny to think about this, but as I go back in my life and I look at my first two careers, military and as an attorney, uh, interaction with pastors and, and preachers along the way, I would admire these guys. And I thought, man, they're, they're giving up, they're giving up high paying jobs that they could have elsewhere to, uh, to serve. And, you know, something really attracted me to that. I just, I felt, I felt called to do that. And I think part of it was I saw these other guys do it and I thought, you know what, I, I need to make a contribution like that. So it worked out. So I was able to. That's wonderful. I'm going to use, you said they, they're giving up opportunities, right? I'm going to use that as a pivot point. You and I off mic, we're kind of talking about COVID uh, in the last, several years have been very, very different, but you were really impacted by it with your health. And so one of the places I like to go is, you know, hey, what are you doing more of in this season? Because the last couple of years have been different for everybody. And what are you consuming less of? What are you giving up? Well, um, you know, to be honest, we're, you and I are not the same age. And I, uh, I'm entering that, uh, I've got a talk that I give and it's, it's entitled the five crises that you will go through in life. But 
what I'm encountering now is that period of time in my life where I'm going, you know, two thirds of my life are behind me. The last one third of my life is where I'm at right now. And, um, and, and, and there are some, some things, there are some factual things about the final third of your life that are just true, no matter how you want them, whether you want them to be or, or not. And, and part of entering this phase of my life brings, you know, in some cases, health concerns. Now, I haven't had any health concerns at all um, my first two thirds. I mean, you know, tonsils taken out and this and that little things uh, break a wrist or whatever and playing football. But I got I got hit by by uh, COVID really hard about 18 months ago. And um, I had double pneumonia, along with all the other COVID symptoms uh, and side effects. Uh, thankfully, I had no trouble breathing the entire 11 days that I was, you know, knocked out. Uh, no problems. I had double pneumonia, but no problems breathing. So respiratory, didn't have any problems there. But I have, 18 months later, I still got the fatigue. I've still got, I've got brain fog, which is kind of a weird thing. Um, so, and, and I've got um, yeah, just some other little side effects. My doctor calls me a long hauler. Maybe you've heard that term, but, but I'm not alone. There are many people who've gotten COVID and gotten over COVID, but are still, still dealing with the side effects months later dizziness is one it, it brings a smile to my my mouth but or my face when i'm walking down the hallway and i see myself i'm kind of i'm kind of going off balance i kind of i kind of trend to the right or to the left as i'm walking down the hallway and i'm like laughing at myself because i can't the dizziness just takes me that way but I, i've got i've got uh the, the long haul stuff with COVID is taking up a lot of my time, um, consuming more and more time, um, trying to deal with those side effects. Now, um, you know, one of the, one of the other things that's, um, that affects all of us with COVID, I mean, our lives have been changed drastically in some cases over the past two years. Uh, you know, people are afraid to go out, so they're sitting at home and, um, and I went through the same thing. I can't go anywhere. Don't want to go anywhere. Shouldn't go anywhere because I don't want to, uh, you know, infect anybody else or anything like that. And so a lot of people have been driven to their televisions, watching movies and watching TV and stuff like that. And I, I've, I've had some time with that, but I'd rather be learning something. So I, I will say this. I've spent a lot more time, uh, a lot less time. Um, I spent a lot less time uh, with some things, um, television. I watch documentaries and, and apologetic stuff uh, now. You know, I've got I've got a purpose for what I'm trying to consume on the TV, and um, and a lot more time dealing with my health issues, and that's a change. That's a change for me. Um, never had issues before. I've always been the one to kind of police up and help somebody and help them do their job and stuff like that. And I'm finding that's, I'm not doing that now and it bothers me. So, so anyway, there you have it.
I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you one more thing. Um, uh, I'm still, I haven't quit doing some of the church related stuff that I've been, been able to do. Uh, we still, we still, uh, lead a home study group uh, in our home. And I still, I've got any number of young men that I get to spend time with like you, Kellen. And um, so, so I've spent a lot of time coaching, coaching and mentoring men, uh, young men uh, over the past uh, few, few years. And, and COVID hasn't taken that away from me. So I'm thankful in that regard. Well, and I appreciate you for having the heart to do it. And I'm always blessed by those conversations you do have with me since we're the same age and all. Um, but, you know, there, therein lies kind of back to that. You've had such a diverse background, you know, when you're in one field, you were studying for another. And now you're, you know, you're mentoring a couple of different groups. And you're intentional. You're still the CEO of a company in the middle of having health challenges and really mental challenges, which, make, which makes it take longer. And a lot of young people get really anxious or, or um, kind of more disorganized when they try to take on different facets of life and they can't just focus on one thing. What do you do every day that helps you be successful? Ray? Um, yeah, I, you know, I will say, uh, and, and I've heard this from other people too, um, having, having issues and problems in your life will drive you to your knees. There's a positive to that. You know, it's, it's off, you know, if you've got an ego, uh, God's going to deal with that. And, uh, and so, uh, you know, I've, I've tried to control ego uh, like everybody else. Um, but, and God's helped me a lot with that here in the last two years. How do I deal with things uh, going forward? I, I, I developed a habit back in the military. And that was every day. You know, I've got I've got two things that kind of drive me. I've got my schedule of events, meetings, um, Zoom meetings, other kinds of meetings that I do. Uh, I, I do my fair share of those every day, and then I I also have to dos, nice to do stuff on the side that I also track. You know, I I learned a long time ago. Well, you probably have heard. Um, uh, the famous talk or the speech that an admiral gave at a graduation ceremony where he said, one of the most important things you can do in life every day is get up and make your bed. And one of the things he said about that, he goes, immediately you can, you can check that off on your to-do list. You've, you've accomplished something the second you got out of bed, you've made your bed. That's true. And so I, I've got a schedule and I've got a to-do list every day, every day. And, and at the end of the day, I've checked most of my stuff off, hopefully. I'll be happy if I checked everything off. Uh, but as a realist, there's some things I don't get done. They carry over to the next to-do list. But I think for somebody who, who thinks of themselves as a, as a um, multi, multitasker, uh, which I am, uh, that, kind of, that kind of puts a set of guardrails on my day. And it governs my day. I would say the same would be true for somebody who's looking to figure out what in the world they're supposed to do. I'd say sit down every morning and make up a to-do list along with your schedule. If you do that, you can be more focused. And hopefully at the end of the day, you go home with a lot of check marks. 
But I think especially for, for males and it's in our DNA and, and then some females the same way, but really for males, we get caught up in checking that off. It feels good. Right. It's like a like on Facebook, unfortunately. Um, what I admire about you and I'm going to go deeper is I've been in, in strategic meetings with you and you come in with a to-do list, but part of your to-do list is you sit back and you ask your teammates certain questions because you want them thinking and answer. You're challenging the way they think to build them up. You also have intentionality with the young men that you pour into. And so it's not just a to-do list. It's, it's the things that you think about to put on your to-do list. Can you talk a little bit about that? So somebody doesn't get caught in a bunch of small actions that make them feel good to check things off, but really don't accomplish the things that God's calling them to accomplish. Well, you caught me off guard on that one, uh, Kellen. Um, let me answer it this way. Um, when we, when I onboard somebody new to, to work with me here, here, um, here at the company, the first few weeks, I will sit down every morning with that person and say, Hey, what are the, what are the three things you'd like to get done? And they'll have to sit and think about it and articulate. Here's the three things today that I'd like to get done. And then I'll follow that up with what do you need from me that would help you get those three things done? Ah, okay. And then of course comes the avalanche of things that they think they need and that's okay. You know, I got them thinking in the right direction now. So I'd say, um, I think the, I think your question is um, what kind your question to me is what kind of questions and what kind of things do I use to help somebody move from here to there? And I'd say some of the most effective ones are, what do you need from me? Uh, what can I do more of, less of, or differently to help you? Um, and I also recognize something that I think it's a truism, but I don't think people spend a lot of time thinking about it. You're working with me and, and I'm managing you. Uh, quotation marks, but you're also learning to manage me. There's a little bit of that give and take in every job you have. Not only does your manager lead and manage you, you learn to lead and manage him so you can get the things from him that you need to get your job done. You can get a little bit more perspective and focus on, on things that haven't gotten done. I just think they're very effective questions. They also, they also are self-awareness questions. Not only am I asking you for stuff, I'm asking you to ask me for stuff. So it's important to get those things articulated. Yeah, I love that too, because you're, you're grounding a good habit and better question asking for them and, and the perception of, hey, there's other people involved in this. That's all really healthy. You know, I'm wired for that. So I don't take any credit for that. Um, I'm wired. I'm naturally curious about people. And when I sit down with somebody, I ask them questions, but I really want to get to know them because um, this person has been brought into my life for some kind of reason. And I'm in their life for some kind of reason. Let's find out what that is. Maybe we don't find out today. Maybe we find out down the road, but it's no accident that people are brought together and get to know each other and get to help each other. We're, we're all in a boat. We're paddling. Hopefully we're all paddling in the same direction. And, um, and we need to realize that. Well, and Jay, and that's, that's just so positive. And it's, it's, 
I know you, so I know the answer to this, but I'm going to dive into it anyway, because I want everybody else to hear it is, you know, what do you believe in? And, and I mean, you sit there as, as an intellect, I mean, you really do love to go deep, but let's, let's just talk about it. You had a job and at night got, you know, uh, you passed the bar and then theology, well, let's get a master's, right? I mean, I mean, you can think on a different level. And so brain fog has to really challenge somebody like that. Very frustrating. I tell you, I'm really upfront about it too. And, you know, I've sat down with everybody in the company and say, and I've said, um, you, you may be surprised. I may tell you, I don't have an answer. I can't, I can't formulate the answer. Uh, I can't even formulate the question sometimes. Um, I, I learned not to be embarrassed by this. It's just a fact. Uh, other people have brain fog too, so I'm not alone in, in dealing with it. But, um, but I do have to deal with it. So, you know, what do I believe in? I think the, I think the rote responses most people would give you, especially knowing your background, uh, would be, I believe in God. I believe Jesus Christ. Um, and those are, those are facts. Uh, I do. Um, I believe in, I believe in the power of teamwork and in the power of harnessing the resources that are available to us to get common goals and stuff uh, to get those done. And so uh, I believe in friendship. Um, my wife is, she teases me all the time. She goes, you know, Jay, you're just a collector of friends. Jay, everybody's a friend to Jay until they say they don't, they don't want to be a friend to Jay, but everybody's a friend. And, and that's true. I, I just normally naturally I'm wired again. I can't take any credit for it. I just accept people that I get to meet as friends. And, uh, and so that carries on with, um, in terms of influence, sharing the gospel. Uh, I just show myself to be friendly. I have a lot of friends and I can call on, on those friends for help. Um, and I can reach people that way. I, I've got a sphere of influence. And, um, and I, I, I take that seriously. You know, God's given that to me. So um, let's, let's, let's take advantage of it. Does that help? Yeah, and I can speak to that. I've been blessed enough to sit down with you at multiple restaurants, and you know every waiter or waitress's name. So you have a lot of friends. And looking at the, the breadth of people that you know and the, the time and careers and experience that you've had, the, the back third of your life as you look back, Who's made an impact on you? Who do you admire and why? Boy, as I look back over the previous two thirds of my life, uh, there's been a lot. I told you, I told you early in life, I began to admire preachers and pastors and uh, just, I just really admired them. And that's had a, that's had a big influence on me. Um, you know, sitting here in Tulsa, Kellen, you look at there's there's certain people you can look at and, and immediately say, man, you know, this guy's somebody you need or this this lady is somebody you need to admire. You know, Sean Copeland would be, um, you know, that'd be that he'd be a guy you'd bring up. A lot of people would bring him up as somebody to admire. You look at what he's done with Regent Bank. Um, you, you look at a Mark Tedford and what he's done with with Tedford Insurance. There's a lot of people to admire around Tulsa. Um, now I may, 
I may not surprise you because I sent this to you earlier, but I may surprise some people. I admire my wife. I always have. But man, this last two years, wow, she is just, she's just been fantastic. She's picked up um, the slack that I've created by not being able to do some things. It's funny. I just accept it as funny. There are a lot of times, going back to the restaurants you and I have been to together, I might take the bill and, and I'll sit down there and try to calculate what the tip should be, because you know, I like to I like to be generous. These people were working for, you know, they're working for a lot less than you and I uh, are making, and uh, and I think that's a group of people that all of us can help, waiters and waitresses and people like that. But I'll sit down there trying to figure the tip, and my mind just gl my eyes gloss over, my mind fogs up, and it's like I can't do this. Um, I've relied on my wife to do a lot of that stuff. And man, she stepped in and done it. Um, she got her master's degree. I mean, she got her, uh, her uh, bachelor's degree in um, um, counseling and, and uh, mentoring. Um, and, and so she's, she's working in that field now, which she's always wanted to do. And she accomplished getting her degree and she's, she's, uh, employed in helping women who come from abused backgrounds and, and that kind of thing. She's, she's got the heart for it. So she's, again, she's wired a certain way and she's figured that out. Um, and boy, man, she's really, her lights really shine this past, past few years. So I admire my wife and I've made it, I've made a deposit to the emotional bank account um, by, by telling her that often. Yeah, and you two glow glow with one another, and, and I wish that on any young professional getting married that they'd really truly find somebody to invest in, that would invest back in them, and then kind of bring marriage back. But you guys are an example of that, and you serve together. That's what I think is beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's well put. I can't improve on that. So, with your team, because you you talked about how much team matters, and you you led into this with one of your answers earlier, which is sitting down with them every single morning. But you have a set of, of core values um, and actions that you want any team to take as a leader, right? How do you view that, and how do you distill those things throughout a new team? I think um, getting serious. I think. Um, leadership is leadership and and values in an organization any size um that's that's a serious that's a serious thing and you've got to be very intentional about it and when i say intentional i mean for me it consumes me morning noon and night what are those values that we've decided and every organization needs to do this what you know not every organization is a christian organization you and i talk a lot about our christianity and how that faith directs us to do certain things but not all of us have been fortunate enough or blessed enough to work within a christian environment you know we've worked in environments that were not necessarily christian but I think whether, it, whether you're working in one or the other, 
environment, uh, one thing you've one thing you've got to realize, and one thing that you can encourage and develop is a list of values we all share. You can do that anywhere, and um, so we we identify those values, and then uh, going back to being intentional, then I got to live up to those values, and that ain't easy sometimes. Um, you know, I'm I'm a coworker with these people. I'm not a boss. I'm not a good boss. I, I don't, I don't like to do that. I'm, I'm a friend. I'm a friend. And some people would, would kind of laugh at that or shirk at that and say, well, you, you can't be friends on the job. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. Um, I, I happen to, I happen to love a family environment, love uh, an environment where everybody's rowing in the right direction. So I think not only do we have to discover those values we hold in common, I got to set the example. I've got to be intentional and I've got to set the example. If I want vulnerability out of people, I, I need to be vulnerable. Uh, if I want cooperation, I need to cooperate in things that they want to do. So in terms of instilling my values throughout the organization, um, I would say one thing is I manage by walking around. That's an old saying. I manage by walking around. And um, I, I go have a little time with everybody uh, to start the day. And at the end of the day, I'll check in with them and uh, just set the example. You know, that's, it's, that's the clearest way I can describe it. Be me, but be me buying into the values that we've all agreed to catch somebody doing something good, catch them and, and man, tell them you appreciate it. Be very careful how you give feedback or criticize somebody else. You know, um, Jesus didn't just make up the golden rule to sound good. The golden rule is the golden rule when you actually put it into practice. So I treat people the same way I'd like to be treated. If there's something negative or we got to deal with an issue, let's 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 do it in love and let's do it in in compassion and and uh, with with regard for each other. That's that's the best way I can tell you about distilling my values. They're our values throughout the organization. No, I love that love and action. That's excellent. I've got one more question for you. Okay. And I'm big on it because a lot of wheels don't need to be recreated. Uh, I mean, there's so much wisdom documented in books. Uh, and now, like you said, with technology changing, we've got audio books and podcasts and TED Talks, you know, but I know our audiences are big readers. So what are two of your favorites that you go back to and why? It's funny you asked that question. My, uh, my wife and I are learning another thing that you do in the last one third of your life, and that is you start downsizing. I had a library of books, Kellen. I was never going to read all these books, but it made me feel good to have shelves of these books. And uh, so my wife and I had a little talk and she said, we really need to downsize because if something happens to you, what am I going to do? How am I going to pack all this stuff up? And uh, so I, I've been downsizing my books, but I would say, to this group, here's a book that I think every organization, every leadership team 
ought to, ought to go through together. We did this when I first got to this company. We identified this book. It's called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. A guy named Patrick Lencioni wrote it. And he's a pretty familiar name in terms of business, business books. But he, I did, he identified the five dysfunctions of a team. And I, that will be, uh, that will open your eyes to the personalities of the people that sit at the table with you every week when you have your leadership team meeting. It really helped us. So Five Dysfunctions of a Team by Patrick Lencioni. Now I'm going to throw you a curveball. Because reading books on business is good. Not a problem there. Like Solomon said, there's, there's, there's no end to the making of books. Um, here's a book that I think is, is such a feel-good story. Everybody ought to read it. it it'll put a smile on your face. Um, and it's and it's called uh, I've got it. It's called Beautiful Jim Key, and it's the story of a horse and a horse trainer. And I I read this. Took me about a week to read this book. I, I always you know I like to read at night before I go to bed. I, I'll turn the light on. I'll read. I'll fall get sleepy. Turn the light off and go to sleep. I was sitting there reading this book every night for five days and I would nudge my wife and say, you're not going to believe what this guy taught this horse to do. It's unbelievable. This horse could spell names. This horse could make change out of a cash register. I mean, this stuff is not made up. This horse was actually doing this stuff. And it's the story of a, of a trainer who loved this horse enough to use good practices and love in getting this horse to do things that you don't see horses do. We all need a book like that from time to time, just to kind of get our minds off the grind of work and, and, and let some stuff in that we normally you know, some creative stuff, some stuff we wouldn't normally focus on. It's an incredible book. So everybody ought to, everybody ought to read it. Is that a good enough endorsement? No, it is. I love it. And you're not the first executive to say that, especially the first executive that's that's, you know, on the back third that just really said, hey, you know, you can be super focused on leadership and business and it'll never end. But but get into new things. Yeah. Just open your mind to something you never thought you'd read. And it really it'll open your mind up. You're not the first one to say that. Get the right side and the left side of the brains. Exercise them both. You mean we don't have to sit in what we're comfortable in? Yeah. Well, yeah. So Jay, yeah. if somebody wants to get a hold of you, what's your preferred method? Um, preferred in person, but um, I would say email or text as a way to kick things off and then, and then take it from there. I, I don't answer the phone if I don't recognize the number, but somebody can call me and leave a voicemail. And, and I'll get back to them. Same with an e email. Um, you know, I appreciate people who reach out and, and, and uh, try to get my attention that way. I appreciate that. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll return those. And then we'll see where it goes. Usually ends up with a lunch somewhere. Yeah, it does. And that's been a blessing for me. I've learned or, maybe, a lot or, or maybe a cigar, you know, in the evening. That's even better. 
I, I will say though, lunch with you, I've learned a lot about treating people good. And I thought I treated people well, but I've learned a lot from you. And I really appreciate that as a mentor. You're welcome. Everyone, thank you again. This is Kellen Cowan. I'm the owner of New Wave Solutions. Jay, thank you for giving today. Good to be here.